there, and welcome to the Blue Milk Latte, a Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Kent Blue Milk Latte Salas, and with me is my uh, co-pilot aboard the Blue Milk Latte Cruiser, Chris Christophsis Mead. Hey guys, what's up? Hey, welcome back. Hey, so today we're going to be talking about the making of the season two finale uh, documentary episode that was dropped on Disney+. Plus. Um, pretty much we're going to do a, a very quick and concise uh, admiration and just review of the episode and just what our general feelings were uh, about the uh, about the documentary. Um, but before before we get into that, uh, Chris, why don't you get get us going with some of your Star Wars adventures this past week? Um, not too much. I mean, I watched the episode of Mandalorian to prep. Um, I've been reading a couple of interesting uh, Star Wars news pieces coming out. Um, uh-huh. I know uh, Robert Rodriguez has talked about Boba Fett will just blow our minds. The book yes. of Boba Fett. Yes. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I also read, I know we talked about this last episode, two episodes ago, about the uh, the return of Kira to the Star Wars universe. Uh-huh. Uh, they've announced that they are going to be doing a Kira comic book series. Okay. Um, I don't know or if it's like a ongoing. I guess they're they're building something with the comics to a, some big finale somewhere and that her she's part of it so they're going to give her her own comic book series for a while. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you're always keeping us in tune with the Star Wars comic book world or part of the yep. galaxy so we appreciate that. Um yeah, same same with you. I, I obviously watched the uh the making of the season 2 finale on Disney Plus when it dropped. I didn't get to watch it on that Friday on the 20 August 25th, but I did watch it on the next day, Saturday the 26th. Um and it was uh, obviously it was very cool uh the reason why we're de- dedicating a whole episode to it uh right now. Um what else? Uh, I've been doing some reading, uh more reading. Uh is it, is that favorite segment uh where is Ken at in the High Republic? Where yeah, where is Kent out in the freaking light of the Jedi? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still going. I'm still going. You will not be happy to hear this news. Uh, <laughs> I did uh, start reading just a couple of the short stories from uh, from a certain point of view. The Empire Strikes Back cut. Um, okay. So I've been reading some, a couple of things here and there in in that book. So I need to hop back into the light of the, the High Republic part of the timeline but uh yeah that's i wanted something that was like tight and concise that uh yeah, yeah. read and digest you know pretty easily um well, but yeah i need to go back yeah. into light of the jedi because i it's i'm doing this interesting thing and i, I don't know if any some of us may do this they might not they probably don't they probably are able to read in a orderly fashion but like i forget sometimes who my favorite characters are in light of the republic and the way it's written it kind of bounces around um as uh, as the people who have read it knows it kind of bounces around from character to character um right. and then you come back around on a character that you forgot you like you're like oh man this guy's amazing and you're like oh wait a minute i knew i like this guy it's the same guy okay so that's kind of what i'm doing uh right now with some of the light of the jedi or, i'm sorry high republic characters uh going on um what else anything star wars who's, adventure? Your, uh, who's your big uh favorite character right now in light of the jedi um pretty much so great storm uh yeah it's still great storm and i really like his apprentice uh i forget the apprentice's name but he's yeah um i think he's gonna be a bigger part in the second book i read like not spoilers or anything but like a little bit about what the second book is kind of gearing up for so i think he's a bigger part of the second book so i'm excited to see that i do forget his name though so i'll have to come back around on that um 
And uh, I think I also I've come around on the a guy that you like, Avar Avar Chris's buddy. Her like, oh yeah, uh, uh, man. Uh, what's yeah he, yeah the man? Yeah. Man's like his last name, I think. Maybe. I th- yeah, I think so. He's like really like kind of like suave and funny. Like he like yeah like Jedi. He's kind of uh, he's kind of uh, nonchalant about some of the rules. Right. Well, I like him because he he has a very unique use of the force. He's always trying to like experiment, try new ways of using the force. That sometimes gets him in trouble with the Jedi, but like I kind of I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. They were talking about how um, it's uh, technically a light side uh, force ability, the uh, whole tampering with a person's mind. But then you know, right. the gun gets twisted here and there. But uh, as long as you use it, you know, for good, the kind of it, they kind of explain a little bit about how you're only supposed to use it for good and all that stuff. So, yeah, they kind of shore it up on that on that part. You know what's interesting though? It would be really interesting to see a dark side character use that same that same uh, power. I don't think we've really seen that. Aside from like, I mean, I guess you could kind of say Palpatine does it, but he does it in the very like long, slow burn form of it. He doesn't do like just a quick. Uh, no, I think you want to do this sort of thing. Right. Well. I mean, depends on the version of Palpatine you're reading or watching, because in the old extended universe, he kind of had, um, he has like the dark side kind of opposite of what uh, Avar Chris can do about like kind of coordinating Jedi to for good. Mm-hmm. He, so allegedly in the old, in the old, in the old extended universe, Palpatine could do the same thing, but for the dark side, like he could like control like whole, like, you know, fleets of fighter pilots and stuff using the dark side kind of controlling their minds and their actions so they would all coordinate just kind of like controlling people's minds i guess for the dark side yeah yeah i gotcha yeah oh uh bell zetafar by the way is the apprentice's name he's i think he's like one of my favorite characters so far out of all of them um, yeah, he's pretty good yeah bell zetafar um all right but let's kind of get into this episode let's just kind of blast off with some of our um, uh, initial emotions and feelings to watching it so it's crazy to me that, like, here's one reason why I, like, obviously Star Wars is so cool. They can make a documentary about a show, and it'll still have you, like, tear up a little bit. Like, right. what other, like, franchise or TV show, movie, whatever, can, like, they just simply make, like, a documentary about something, and you get, like, choked up watching it. It's like, you're not even watching the actual, like, story portion of what's going on. That's supposed to be dramatic. You're just watching like a making of sort of thing on it, um, yeah. So, uh, well, and it's, it's crazy because like that whole documentary is literally about the last fifteen minutes of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> it's not the beginning. It's not, even, it's not even the whole episode. They literally just are just doing a whole episode on Luke Skywalker. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. They yeah they definitely uh, buttered up uh, Mark Hamill and I mean. Uh, he is a legend, obviously. Let's let's call it how it is. But like, they really put him on a pedestal <laughs> during that yeah. entire yeah. episode. Uh, what were some of your initial uh, reactions to it? Oh, I loved it. And then same thing. I you know I choked up when they when they talk about like uh, when like uh, Mark Hamill uh, he gets to see Grogu for the first time. Yeah. And, like, what well, is it? Yeah. Like the whole the whole thing kind of blew my mind as far as how like what they did and how it worked and like just some of the create like when you hear some of the when you look at some of the fine details about how they actually pulled this off it's pretty amazing like they like 
they had the idea to bring Luke Skywalker in before they'd even released the first season. Yeah. Because they kind of talk about that. They were like, they had brought, because part of the reason, part of their deal was they want to get Mark on board. And so they, they show him, so they talk about showing him footage of the first episode before anybody else had seen it. Yeah. So like, they had this idea for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think, like, what are they planning now that we'll see right. one to five years from now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah any other uh, any other emotions that you kind of left with besides like being choked up? I was like, in, another thing that I want to mention, I was like inspired too, because a lot of the creators are talking about, you know, being on set and stuff and how like they're technically they're all like leaders are, you know, they're more or less top of their field in all their respective fields from special effects to visual effects to directing writing producing what have you but yet they all still feel like kids making this stuff right um, i thought that was super inspiring yeah yeah well that's when well, I mean, we even talked about that even in the other if you watch the rest of those making of documentaries for the first season and the one they they, they didn't do one they went for like almost every episode in the first season but they didn't they only did like one for like a whole season two right or did they do one for each episode there too uh, for season one, they kind of broke it up into different fields. They did one portion yeah, of, yeah. But those yeah, feels they... kind of like ultimately those feels kind of focused. They they had, they gave like each director like kind of a chance to talk, you know, about their episode a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if they did that for the second season so much, but the they two only has like two episodes. It's like the one, and then like the Luke one that just dropped. Correct. Yeah. The yeah the what I think the first one was just kind of a catch-all for right. the entirety of season two yeah. with like about probably about like fifteen minutes dedicated to each episode going into like random behind the scenes stuff from each one but yeah this one it's kind of funny yeah they they donated they dedicated I'm sorry um, about an hour documentary to a roughly you know four to five hours worth of show and then in this episode they dedicate like you were saying like 45 minutes just to like 15 minutes if that of the show and i do i do gotta give them props of releasing it so long after the second season wrapped like before the you know since since the last episode dropped yeah so for, you know basically to avoid any spoilers or anything like because i'm starting because i've started to see the last week or so articles popping up about like kind of recapping surprises and reveals and stuff they talked about in that episode. It was kind of yeah. nice. They were like, they kind of kept everyone spoiler free for quite a while. I mean, shoot, uh, Mandalorian season two started a year. No, not quite a year ago. Almost a year ago. I don't know, I feel like it was. No, it was in November. Never mind. Yeah, it was almost almost a year ago. Almost a year because it usually usually comes out in October, like in the fall. Yeah. There again. Yeah. Almost there. Which I keep forgetting. I'm like, holy cow! I mean, we got Book of Ophet is like coming. It's right around the bend. <laughs> yeah, because it's November, December dropping. Uh, Book of Ophet, yeah, is dropping in uh, December, December, December. Yeah, so we're yeah. yeah like three months out from that already. Which means we should be. I would assume we'd be getting a trailer. Oh, in the next month or so. Well, especially since it sounds like Robert Rodriguez is already starting the press tour for it. So yeah, we should start seeing something soon. Yeah. So keep your keep your ears. Uh... Well, I'm kind of wondering, <laughs> like we we'll talk about whether we whether we're waiting to see whether we're kind of holding off on some of stuff because we might see Bad Batch stuff in it, and they're they're waiting till Bad Batch. 
so they can start dropping yeah. bad stuff in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so one thing I want to talk about um, is one one of the key points to the episode that I thought was funny and interesting was they used a Plo Koon uh, as kind yeah. of a, a, a step in for Luke Skywalker so that even some of your, your mid-tier creators that were working on the show couldn't spoil it, even if they did drop or leak something. I mean, it'd be pretty scary to be, you know, working for Disney and having to sign that NDA. I, I obviously couldn't and wouldn't say anything, but could you imagine, like, being the one that, like, leaks the news that, like, oh, Plo Koon is going to be in the show, and then they find out the sources, and you're not even right. You're just, like, right? <laughs> fired and wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, just how terrible that would be. It was crazy because um, if, if you watch it, like the, the the secrecy goes so deep that if you watch like when they're doing some of the footage, R two D two is a different color. He's green. Correct. Correct. So to even like further the the you know, the, the the lie that it's Plo Koon, they even you know because obviously you put in a blue R two and it's like oh it's R two D two, so it must be Luke Skywalker. But like they went and like shot a bunch of footage with a green R two unit. Yeah. Yeah. So the question, the question that I guess I, I, I hear what you're saying exactly, but there is that moment, uh, there is that one part where that's the moment that like John Favreau kind of like lost it and started to tear up a little bit is like when he saw R2-D2 on set. So do you think they had two different R2 units for like diff- different shots? Well, or... yeah, I think so because um, I think, I think they did because uh because at the point when they actually had Mark Hamill on set, there was only like you kind of got the impression there was only like five people on the set that knew what was going on. Yeah, and so at that point you might as well you you bring in R two D two, but then for some of the because it's like the shots of um, it's like it's like the behind the shoulder shots where it's like behind yeah. uh, back, is walking with him. So yeah, I'm guessing you know that would be the one that they would use. You know. But they they probably may have shot some of those with the whole Plo Koon thing, and who knows like how much they sh- they they shoot the whole sequence with uh, the whole thing being Plo Koon. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't really ever talk about like how much cast was on set at that time because like did they shoot all Mark Hamill stuff like without the cast, without um, Pedro Pascal, and without uh, you know all the rest of them. Yeah, I mean you could shoot it that way because really I I think. You, I don't think even think Pedro Pascal is shown in the same shot. Maybe his arms no, handing not. off, handing yeah. off Grogu. But I mean, that could really be anybody's arms. You know what I mean? Well, isn't no, because Grogu walks over to Luke, and Luke bends over and picks him up. Oh so yeah. Like yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. no. So like yeah, theoretically they 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 may have shot that whole sequence without any of the other, without even the cast even knowing, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, they may, but is... they may have shot it with like the Plocoon reveal. That might be with the cast, so that way they had um, the cast had like eyelines to react to, and they had you know they could they had something to play against rather than like a tennis ball on a you know on a on a pole. Yeah, yeah. So for those yeah. shots, they might have used the green R two because they're like, oh, it's going to be this Jedi, it's going to be Plocoon, you know, or this Jedi Master's coming in, but he's going to be a CG character, so you won't see his face. So you know, just react to this stand-in's face that happens to look like Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, so, 
one one uh, side thing that I want to talk about real quick um, that does have to do with Star Wars because they do use the technology a lot and they also use the technology in MCU films. Um, there is a little segment where John Favreau talks about how we're not too far away from like deep fake stuff right. being heavily, heavily utilized. Like, for instance, right. you want to see your favorite actors in a movie someday. You know, let's just say, I don't know. We'll just use Michael Douglas because he's mentioned very quickly during there. Like, let's just say you want to see a movie with Michael Douglas in his youth. How far are we away from just having like a 32 year old Michael Douglas, even though he's like 60 or 70 or whatever, um, appearing in a movie throughout the entire movie? Um, Is that a technology that you think we would you would like to see utilized in movies? Do you think it's. Do you think it's utilized um, the appropriate amount or less or more than you would like? I think right now it's appropriate. The I mean, the real test is what do you think about Captain Marvel? Because that movie had D.A. Samuel Jackson and Clark Gregg for a whole 90 minutes. Correct, yeah. Whereas all the other MCU ones are used for flashback purposes. And like, if you're used for flashback purposes, that, that's the perfect use for it. Because it, it does a better job of putting you know using that same actor than trying to hire like a a, a younger lookalike who sometimes looks okay sometimes doesn't um i don't yeah. know i mean it's hard to say um it'd be interesting it'd be interesting i know people have done this and i'd be interested to see if someone actually went back and like did it re- did it again recently is if someone went back and deep fake solo that would kind of be a good test for it like if we if we had if we deep fake the solo movie, what do we think about that? <laughs> yeah, like like would we like if it's the same exact movie except instead of seeing Alden Ehrenreich, we see a young Harrison Ford? Would it be right. better or worse? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And even going so far as like, because like I didn't realize that not only did they deep fake his face, they essentially deep fake his voice using the same technology but audio based instead of video based for his voice too. So yeah. you could even do that with Harrison Ford. You go through and they they do with Mark where they had like they comb all the interviews and uh, you know and voiceover and any kind of like the radio dramas and audiobooks he's done and then deep fake his voice to it at that point. And then I'd be I'd kind of be interested to see what that looks like. I don't, but I don't, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, that that would be the real test. If 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 I like that movie more or at least the same, then I'm probably okay with technology. But if it just feels weird to me, then, you know, then I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be okay with it. Yeah. I mean, I want to go back just about a minute or so. I like what you said about them using it in Captain Marvel with Samuel Jackson. Because for the most part, or actually ever, I've never had a pr- issue with that. Like, it felt normal and it felt right. fine. And it, it, it contributed to the story. It didn't hinder it. It didn't take me out of the movie. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, in certain instances when it's contributing to the story, I think it's necessary. Um, but I think sometimes, but like, I think if you try to do a movie where like the entire gimmick is, I don't know, and I could see Hollywood doing this because Hollywood's crazy, uh, taking like a whole bunch of actors in their seventies that used to be, you know, in the golden age of the movies, you know, like amazing. Um, and just like deep faking all of them to make them like young again. Like I could see them doing a movie like that. Kind of like uh right. how in the nineties we had the whole like um subgenre of comedies where people they would do um 
like one one comedian would portray everybody like eddie murphy did it with like right. professor and all that like it would be like a, just another gimmick sort of thing um, right i could see hollywood going the way of the gimmick but i think when it's used utilized correctly yeah it it would work as long as it's contributing to the story and it made makes sense you know what i mean yeah 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 so, no, i don't want an original story with a bunch of deep faked actors when like I, I like it where you're using either revisiting a classic character they've done or if we're using it to you know like for flashback purposes so you know i i think that's probably a good good use of it is you know i think that would probably be the best way to probably do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and while we're on the topic of deepfake and all that technology that's emerging and still continuing to, continuing to grow, um, I don't think he's mentioned by name in the documentary. But uh, for those who haven't heard, um, there was just a good old-fashioned normal YouTube artist, um, and he did a, a take on the Luke Skywalker face. And somehow using his software and stuff at home was able to make it look as good, if not better, than what they were working on at Industrial Light and Magic. And uh, I just wanted to name drop him here. His, I think his user name on YouTube is Shamook. Uh, and believe it or not, Lucasfilm hired him, and he is now a Lucasfilm employee. So if that's not like... That's not the, well, so that's not the guy that they show initially doing the deep... This is a different guy, or is it the same guy? I, uh, I believe so. I don't think he's on screen during the actual documentary part, because I think they made the documentary... The yeah. They probably cut the documentary like a few months ago, is my guess. Right. Um, but when he was hired, this was, I think, in the last like 50 to 60 days. Yeah. Um, well, so. yeah. Like his, because it's like, because his deep fake was produced obviously after the Mandalorian had come out. So it can't have been the guy they show, you know, engineering the deep fake for them originally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Let's talk a little bit about Dave Filoni and John Favreau as as a duo. Um, obviously, they are delivering for hardcore Star Wars fans, and I believe they're delivering for your your casual fan as well. At least uh, um, on paper, as far as like uh, selling product goes, because I mean, uh, it's kind of obviously tapered off now. But Baby Yoda slash Grogu merch has been insane it, the last year and a half you know what i mean i mean shoot every my facebook feed still comes comes up with like new items of hot topic just arrived this week that have grogu on them or like box lines or like you know lounge fly yeah. and still putting out you know baby grogu stuff yeah so i just wanted to take a moment to talk about dave filoni and john favreau um, and in regards to their work on the mandalorian and hopefully i mean not hopefully and their future work on uh on disney plus shows um do you think i and i hope that's not do you think there will ever be a time where they will become stale or like won't be able to like deliver um i don't i don't know i don't think so yeah Um, i think them as a i think them as a duo like is fairly unstoppable because I think if John Favreau tries to get too big into one thing or too, um, I don't know, flashy with one thing, Dave Filoni will kind of rein him in um, right. and say, well, well like, no, this is what 
this is what Star Wars mythology kind of dictates, and this is kind of what we should do. And well, then I think sometimes it... to, I mean, Floney has yet to let, let me down. Like, I mean, like every all the series he's done so far, where it was Clone Wars or Rebels or uh, even Bad Batch, that he's not directly, directly on, but he's still like consulting on or like Resistance yeah. was the same way. And like they've yeah. all been been good in their own way, if not great in their own way. Like, and so even in in the Mandalorian. So like I mean what it's Disney's firing all this is like they're having Star Wars is kind of having in the TV's realm at least is having their MCU moment where like they can't do wrong right currently like I mean because like, everyone's waiting for the next you know for the big MCU flop that's going to happen and you know it probably will and same thing with Star Wars it'll you know with these with the shows it'll happen eventually I mean the movies debatably may or may not have hit that point but that's a different that's a different topic for a different night but yeah you know and so i think i just yeah i don't know that feloni can do any wrong currently and even you know even things that people don't like they don't usually blame it on him like i know there's a huge fan base part of it that does not like kathleen kennedy right now but feloni has always been kind of on the right side of the fans for the time being yeah yeah, um, I want to add to that. Um, so John Favreau obviously does mention Kathleen Kennedy. Kennedy, um, it does feel a little awkward because, I mean, arguably Kathleen Kennedy is the president of Lucasfilm. This is a Lucasfilm production made for Disney Plus, so it's kind of like just uh, piling it on for your boss sort of thing. But he did uh, acknowledge that she is like you know first class, the best of her kind, is in, in the realm of producer in the realm of getting people together to accomplish a goal and also um, enabling them with all the tools that they need in order to tell their story. And I know that there's a lot more love right now in the Star Wars universe for the Mandalorian than there is say the sequels and all that good stuff. But with that being said, I think Kathleen Kennedy also is doing a fantastic job as far as assembling the storytellers, giving them the tools to be successful um, you know, she's 100% doing her job. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I hope it didn't come off like I was demeaning her. I was just was acknowledging that there's, you know, issues with it. But no, I know I think she's a good job. I think, I think hiring J.J. Abrams uh, to do episode seven, episode seven was brilliant. It was a really smart idea. Even Ryan Johnson, I, I think, was a good idea. Whether you know, depending on you know, regardless of how you feel about that movie, I think he was a good choice. Um, I think it was really, it was an interesting choice to go with like three of these kind of up and coming, well, not really Abrams so much, but like, you know, these kind of younger up and coming guys with uh, yeah. Colin Trevorrow and, uh, and Ryan Johnson. I think, you know, I think she has good, in- good instincts. I just, I feel like the, you know, like I said before, I just feel like that they needed a Kevin Feige to kind of rein the story in. That yeah. she, she was really good at getting the talent, but there wasn't anybody who was like, like directing the story i think that's that's like she's really good at pulling the talent but maybe she's not the person who's like the story editor or the story like yeah guru. i got you I yeah it, it kind of is, is is how i kind of frame any kind of critique i have of her is that she's just i don't know if she's the when you're dealing with a large franchise she's not the kevin feige who is like controlling the flow of the story yeah yeah and by the way yeah i didn't think you were taking a shot at her or, or giving her shade or anything i just wanted to acknowledge that as well on on our podcast that yeah we're 
we're not Kathleen Kennedy haters here. We we do appreciate uh, you know, what she's done. We will have yeah, some slight opinions here and there, but for the most part, we think Kathleen Kennedy is doing an excellent job with uh Star Wars. Um Yeah, it cracks me by like when I keep seeing articles with the headline like Kathleen Kennedy getting fired, like she's out and like for like the last three years and it's never happened. So I'm like, oh, Yeah, guys, where yeah. are you getting this information from? Because You've been saying it for a while now. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one last thing we will touch on, um, which it's it's kind of like one of those fun things in a movie. Like when you watch it again, you you're like, oh, duh! Of course that was gonna happen. So when we were excited for season two before we knew exactly what we were going to be getting for season two, one of the things that we were excited for was the list of directors. Um, and then there were some returning directors. We found out John Favreau was going to be directing an episode. Dave Filoni was always going to be directing an episode, but, uh, Peyton Reed, uh, came on to direct an episode or two, the, this one being the, the finale. And at the time I thought like, Oh, okay. Peyton Reed, the guy who did the Ant-Man movies, that's cool. But when you think about it, like you would need a Peyton Reed esque director to pull off the special effects that they used a on Mark Hamill and B just in the rest of this episode, because it is fairly effects heavy. Um, it yeah. does take place mainly, you know, like on the ship and there's a lot of, uh, fights, fight scenes and all that. Yeah, stuff. All those dark troopers are not real. They're like, yeah. Dudes in like half stormtrooper armor from the documentary. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, it is interesting. I, I applaud Peyton Reed like a lot. Like he did fantastic Star Wars episodes, and I'm excited uh, for his third Ant Man movie, uh, Quantumania. Um, let's see here. But what director? So I know we're a ways away from getting season three um, of The Mandalorian, but I, I'm assuming we're going to be getting another guest or two directors that are going to be part of the show and i'm going to kind of keep that nugget in the back of my mind like oh okay so why might they be you know having this director direct this episode because all these directors kind of have their own little tools of tricks that they that they do uh pain reed obviously very accustomed to doing the uh you know the visual uh effects and all that good stuff so and I think we kind of touched on this at the end of season two when we did like an episode a while back. But what director coming up in season three do you think would be like an interesting choice that we haven't seen yet play in the Mandalorian universe mm-hmm. or galaxy? Mandalorian galaxy, I should say. It's hard to say because I'm not a, not a big director guy, but like because I think I, I, I kind of think it would be like just would blow my mind if they pulled them like they pulled like Spielberg in to do an episode just to do one, <laughs> yeah. or even Lucas like pull Lucas in for an episode. Yeah, like so when and if because that's a, that's a weird rumor being reading about that that season three might be the last season of Mandalorian, but I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is that uh, how I mean? So looking forward, like how awesome would it be to have Lucas come in and like direct either like a season premiere or like a series finale? If they finally ever came to the end of the Mandalorian, have Lucas come in and do the last one. Like that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, that, I think that'd be the big one I'd like to see because like he's kind of hanging around the Mandalorian set a lot. Like he's there because you see him, he's there at the he's there on the set for the finale, and like we know that he's been on set a couple times. 
Especially, I think it was he's mostly there when Filoni does the directing. So I think yeah. I think a Lucas episode would be, would be really. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, having George Lucas back to direct an episode would be yeah amazing. Um, so I'm gonna go on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> um, still a very widely known and beloved director, especially for for fanboys and stuff like that. Um, I think it'd be fun to see Kevin Smith do an episode in season three, and yeah, I think it'd be talked about this already. <laughs> No, we did talk about this already, but I just wanted I, I wanted to talk about um that you know you hear Peyton for me pre season two watching and all that, I hear Peyton Reed's doing an episode and I think, oh cool, the Ant Man guy, whatever. It's probably gonna be like a a good episode, but nothing like that special. So and then it got me thinking about what tools Peyton Reed would bring to an episode. And then I was thinking Kevin Smith would bring something to Star Wars, I think from a comedic and from a dialogue point of view that yeah. would be like that we haven't seen before but yet i feel like since he is you know obviously a huge fan would feel pretty authentic to star wars as well so that's something that i think would be like really fun to see and yeah. to hear in, inside of an episode you know it probably wouldn't be the most action-packed episode but i still think it'd be oh, fun to yeah. see I don't know though because see we, you know when we had this conversation before I'm sure I mentioned something about like he doesn't you know he doesn't consider himself a really good shooter and you know mostly dialogue and stuff but you know what after watching his He-Man take it, he probably has it in him to you know possibly co-write if not direct a Mandalorian episode because like he's has experience doing special effects stuff because he did he's done Flash and he's done Supergirl mm-hmm. so. Uh, you know, so I think he would have the the ability to work with all, you know, to work with that kind of it stuff. But I think, like, like I said, after watching his He Man, so I think he could write action. I think he could he could probably pull it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think I think he could pull it off as well. And it'd be fun to just have a cameo of like Jason Mewes as like a stormtrooper. I'm just right. saying. I'm just saying that would be hilarious. Right. Um. Yeah. All right, so that's pretty much um, all we got for you on this episode. We kept it pretty tight for you guys. Um, we've been playing around with some of the links. We're doing some shorter ones, some longer ones later on. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much it for this episode. Let us know what you guys thought of uh, the Disney Gallery Season 2 finale documentary episode now on Disney+. Plus. You could leave any comments, any thoughts on any of our social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and believe it or not, TikTok. And we're at the same place on all of them, at Blue Milk Latte. Exactly how it sounds. Um, And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Chris, what would you like to leave with the good people? Trying to go more recommendation for this week. That's how it was really good. Oh, something that's really good, but kind of rough to watch is uh, Sweet Tooth on Netflix. It's amazing. It's yeah. really, really good. It's it's tough because part of the apocalypse is caused by a uh, deadly virus flu. Yeah. So there's some stuff in there that gets hard to watch because you're like, yeah, we're like a good six months from being that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but no, otherwise it's really it's beautifully shot. It's got an amazing soundtrack. Like it's really good, and it's uh, I want to say it's produced by Robert Downey Jr.'s wife did this produced it I think or executive oh. produced it. Oh, cool. So, okay. Yeah, so there's a, there's a there's a Marvel tie, even though it's a DC comic, but it's it's really good. Nice. Okay. Cool. 
Very cool. Uh, thanks for the recommendation. And I will leave you with eat an apple a day to keep the doctor away. Um, <laughs> I know it's super random, but I've been eating an apple a day the last week, this last week. And I've been feeling pretty, pretty okay about myself. So maybe there's, maybe it's a placebo effect. Maybe there's something actually, you know, in apples that makes me feel this way. But yeah, eat an apple a day, kids. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, may the force be with you. All right, guys. Have a good week. Oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs>